Well, if there is ever going to be an icon of Australian media, it would have to be this woman, Ida Buttrise. Good morning. How are you? I'm well, thank you. That's good. Congratulations. Thank you very much. You have picked um, up the uh, prestigious Lifetime Achievement Award at the NRMA Kennedy Awards for Excellence in Journalism last week. You're feeling fairly chuffed? Very chuffed indeed. It was a great honour. And, um, you know, as I said when I accepted the award, to be given an award for something that I've loved doing all my life yeah. <laughs> is a wonderful thing. You know, I was, I've been, uh, I, I was 11 when I decided I wanted to be a journalist. I was 15 when I started as a copy girl on the Women's Weekly. And at 16, I was a cadet journalist on the Daily and Sunday Telegraph in Sydney. And I've, I've loved every minute of my career. How are you loving Channel 10? You only work there a couple of days a week with the, uh, with the team there. You're enjoying that? You look like you yes, are. Yes, it's, it's, it's really good. Yes, I, I did do five days a week. And then I thought... Maybe I'll just uh, cover a few days back, but I do special interviews and um, a few other assignments for them on some of those days when I'm not actually on the panel. So that's quite right. a good arrangement, and I like that. Okay. Now, of your media career, which you know is like you know five decades plus, have you got a have you got a particular highlight? Is there something that actually sticks in your mind and you and you you sort of go that beats it all? Oh, Ian, there's been so many great moments. It's hard to pick them all. I think covering Charles and Diana's wedding in London was, was, was a highlight. Going back 30 years later and covering William and Kate's wedding in London was unbelievable, you know, to have two royal weddings. Uh, having afternoon tea with Prince Philip on the Royal Yacht Britannia when I was um, when I was in Brisbane hosting the ABC Design Awards. Um, me, listening to Elizabeth Taylor speak at the Washington Press Club when I was there visiting the oh. Surgeon General on HIV AIDS matters, um, you know, I've, I've done a lot of traveling. Yeah. Um, I, I actually, I was actually at Cape Kennedy once and I watched the space shuttle go up. The first one that went up with the OSAT satellite. Yes. And I was broadcasting here in Sydney at 2KY. And so I broadcast live from Cape Kennedy as the space shuttle went up. It was incredible. Wow. Listen, just mm. getting back to uh, Prince Philip for a moment on the, on the yacht, did he, did he say anything inappropriate? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was charming. He was absolutely charming. We had afternoon tea. We had tea and scones with jam and cream. Right. And he gave me a bit of a guided tour of the Britannia, which is that was just like the biggest floating hotel you've ever seen. It's absolutely divine, and I can understand why the royal family didn't want to give it up. I can, so can I. <laughs> it's a beautiful ship. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. How's our, uh, how's your uncle Gerald going? It, he's, you know, you helped him out many years ago. I remember seeing an article somewhere about him thanking you for because you're right, you know, the patron of the macular degeneration. I am, so, indeed. So, yeah. and my uncle my uncle does have macular degeneration, and, but his vision has been saved because there was an advancement in the treatment of a wet MD, which is the version he has. Yeah. And so with my nice nagging, I managed <laughs> to get him to a retina specialist in Sydney and his sight was saved. And it's important because three of his siblings lost their vision. So my uncle turned 94 on Friday, and he's fine and well and still walking three Ks every day on the beach and riding five Ks on his bike wow, every day. Oh, well. really good on him. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. He, he if, says he doesn't always want to do it, but he makes himself do it. <laughs> I bet at 94 he doesn't always want to do it either. You'd probably get up one morning and go, oh, did I really have to do this? No, no, he's fantastic. He is absolutely fantastic. Eating for Eye Health. Tell me a bit about that. Eating for Eye Health. That mm. was a book I wrote with a chef called, with a cook called Vanessa Jones. Um, with most of the chronic diseases and particularly macular degeneration, we recommend a, a change in lifestyle and, and the food you eat. And we know that the food can affect many of the chronic diseases. So with macular degeneration, we urge people to eat 
lots of green leafy vegetables, particularly spinach, because it's very good for the macula. Um, fish three times a week, uh, a handful of nuts, because our soil doesn't contain selenium. So we, you know, Brazil nuts, which is terrific, they have selenium. Egg yolks, um, you know, watch, watch your weight, do some physical exercise, put your sunglasses on when you go out in the sun and put a hat on your head as well. Yeah, Ida Butros, congratulations again on your Lifetime Achievement Award, the Kennedy Award for Excellence in Journalism. It's always great to chat with you. Take care and uh, talk again soon. I look forward to it. Bye, Ian. Yesterday morning, it hit the news. WA police won't ask for court costs as industrial dispute with the state government escalates. George Tilbury from the Police Union. Hello, George. How are you? Yeah, hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. How's it going? Do you think they're going to cave? This could cost them approximately, what, up to $100,000 a day. How, how much have you got to push before the government will go, OK, OK, let's do the right thing. Let's give the police officers 1.5%. Well, it's going to cost them a hell of a lot more than that. Uh, the $100,000 is the new action we're taking in relation to police administrative court costs. So we've instructed police prosecutors and the magistrates' courts uh, not to seek those particular costs. But what's actually been occurring and is still continuing is that uh, police officers have been issuing cautions instead of traffic infringement notices, which has actually been costing the government $233,000 per day already. The government promised this 1.5% in the the lead-up to the election in March. Yes, they did. And that's what's disappointing, is this is a broken promise by the government and police are rightly unhappy about that situation and that's why they're taking the action that they are. And you can't really blame them either. I noticed uh, yesterday, well, Carlo Callahan's uh, last day yesterday, and uh, I noticed that he suggested maybe going back to the 38-hour week instead of the 40-hour week. How would that sort of sit? Would that change anything if they were to consider that? Look, I'm confident, even though we'd have to put it to our members, that that would probably ensure a done deal. Uh, These days, particularly in the difficult and dangerous environment that police officers are faced with, the additional time off is something that they'd really cherish, Uh, particularly with what we're seeing with police officers now. There's more mental health issues. And that respite that they would have, in addition to the time off that they have now, would be something that would be welcomed, and I think they would uh, grab it. What do you think of Ben White's statement about uh, this is basically giving criminals a bit of a taxpayer handout? That seems a bit extreme, doesn't it, with this uh, not, not, not chasing court costs? Look, it's very disappointing, and obviously the Treasurer is deflecting. Uh, what he should be focused on is the fact that this campaign is actually costing the, mon- the government more money than what it otherwise would have if they'd done the right thing in the first place. So criminals and traffic offenders that are going before the courts are still getting their penalties in relation to the offences they've been committing. But what we're talking about is the police administrative costs that uh, won't be applied for. Rightio. So you've had phase one, and that's basically issuing cautions instead of uh, traffic offence fines, unless it's something serious, obviously. You know, you are police after all. This is phase two. You obviously wouldn't tell me, and that's fine. But is there a phase three and a phase four? Look, we've got further action that we can take, but the thing is, is we have and we will continue to negotiate behind the scenes in good faith. What we need is for the Premier at this point in time to intervene, do the right thing and try and find a way to resolve this dispute. Good luck. I hope you do. George Tilbury, Police Union President. Appreciate your time, George. No worries. Thanks, Ian. interrupt this program to bring you a special news bulletin. From the inside cover, over at the West Australian, it's Ben O'Shea. Yes, very good morning, old mate. How are you? G'day, Blackers. How are you? Very well, thank you very much. What's going on on Inside Cover? Well, as a uh, as a music buff, I know that you'd be familiar with the late, great Glenn Campbell. Oh, yeah, of course. 
Yeah, he's, he was a, a superstar, singer of uh, Rhinestone Cowboy. He was his biggest hit, Wichita Lineman, yep. uh, Southern Nights, all that sort of stuff. Well, he, he passed away last week. It was uh, was put put to rest at a private ceremony in in his hometown in uh, in Arizona, I think. Uh, but it caused one of our journalists at the West, uh, John Townsend, who's, who's our cricket writer, to remember uh, when Campbell came to Perth in 1997. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was part of an Australian tour. He was playing three concerts in Perth. And before the first one, uh, Townsville, uh, Townsend was told to, uh, you know, to go out and interview Glenn Campbell. Yeah, and these things. I'm sure Glenn knew a lot about cricket. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, typically, you know, when when these when these artists come to town, they uh, you know you get you get sent to meet them at their hotel, maybe do the interview in the lobby or maybe in a hotel room, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but not not Campbell because he liked to take the opportunity to get in a round of golf everywhere he went because he was a mad golfer, played off a, a three handicap or something like that. Mm. So so Townsend was actually invited out to to play a round of golf with Glenn Campbell and Ian Baker Finch who. Was just hanging around uh, at the time, uh, and uh, which is a pretty special moment. But he said that yeah. uh, as as Campbell was walking around playing his shots, you could hear him in the distance singing like a golf course cowboy. <laughs> 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 and, then, and then a bit later on, he was singing, I'm on the course again. I can't wait to get back on the course again. And apparently, it's a, it, he looked, Townsend looked this up uh, later on, and that's, that's what he loves to do. Everywhere he goes, he's always singing he's a golf course cowboy. Is that right? Amazing stuff. Now, what's going on with the ladies in cricket, mate? Speaking of cricket. Well, uh, the wacker, wacker. CEO Christina Matthews uh, ruffled some feathers uh, earlier this year by suggesting it was to remove uh, some of those uh, gender-specific uh, terms like batsman yep. uh, and replace them with gender-neutral terms uh, such as batter, uh, which people didn't like because, you know, batters are baseball batters. Yeah. It's not really anything to do with cricket. Well, bat, and they person, thought it... bat person seems a little bit strange as well. <laughs> exactly. Political correctness gone mad. Yep. Well, we interviewed at Nicole Bolton, who's the Perth Scorchers women's star opener, yeah. uh, about it all, and she said that she is a traditionalist. She wants to keep, uh, she wants to keep the original terms. Uh, and her best quote was, she said, "Look, I'm scoring a hundred. I don't care what you call me." Uh, <laughs> and she did score a hundred for Australia at the recent World Cup, so she's happy to be a batsman. And oh, a champion good batsman at that. Excellent stuff, Ben O'Shea. Um, <laughs> I think you're. Beeping out all your expletives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. Take it easy. We'll catch you again next week. All right. All right. See you, Blackie.